All right, before I officially begin, I actually have something I need to do that's a little off script. Um, hey, Phil, can you come out here for a second? Um, I actually just want to take a moment. I don't think sometimes we understand this fully, how much a pastor can mean to a church. And I just want to take this moment to share my personal appreciation for what you've meant to me and in my life. Um, you, in the times that we came to know each other, was actually a time that I was questioning and looking at what was happening in the church as things that I was wondering, am I really in the right place? And our friendship started to blossom around that time. And I will say this in front of all these witnesses here today, that truly seeing your heart for Christ and your mission for this city and how you believe in the gospel, so rich in it, it, it gave me hope, gave me the hope that we were singing just a few moments ago. And I think sometimes we may not know that or hear that, um, and I just want to share that because it really means a lot to me. I have been able to see how much time you spend in to be able to come here. Those 25 minutes, I know that of the someone, it takes a lot more than 25 minutes to put it together. I can tell you that. And just to hear his thoughts and just how he hopes and prays for this church and each and every one of you, it means so much. I mean, even sometimes when I might be upset about something or things that clearly we should be upset of and say probably not so nice things, he doesn't do that. He still sees the best in those people and inspires me so much. So I just want to tell you guys, we have an amazing pastor. Let's give him a clap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, let us pray, please. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here today. Um, I just ask at this moment you can use me as your vessel. I'm merely a man, flesh and bones, but you are the Almighty Father. And it's not through me or my words, but through you and your words that I can share what you have prepared for us this morning. I pray that you can open up our hearts and our minds to be able to receive what you have in store for us today. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to stand in front of all these people and to share uh, your gospel. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. All right. Um, for those who do not know me, my name is Moses Bomet. I'm actually the local mission director here at Table Church. I also happen to be the only non-ordained preacher to set foot on this pulpit. So if any of you need to leave, this is the time. I'm glad you all stayed, huh? So next thing, before again we officially start, is I want to see if you remember this. I was here about a year ago on this stage, and I showed you how we preach or how we teach back in Africa. It's a little more engagement with each other. So I will see if you remember this. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. There we go. One more time. Praise the Lord, church. Perfect. So I will be doing that throughout when I want you to really keen in on something I'm about to say. For those of you who have been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been in the sermon series called The Table. Week one, Pastor Phil preached on being welcomed and welcoming others to the table. Week two, which was last week, Pastor Wayne preached on having a seat at the table. And this week, I will share on the power of the table. Today, I turn to three sets of scriptures that will guide us ultimately to three points and challenges that I'll set forth for you. 
But first, let's talk about food because really, there is no table without food. In November 2006, my family and I relocated to the United States of America. I was only 14 years old, and frankly, up until then, I don't think I've ever been so excited for anything else in my life. I was going to the country that I had seen on so many TV shows and movies. I was going to produce and star in my own coming to America. I was going to the land of pizza, burgers, and ice cream. Honestly, what more could you ask for? I remember talking with my brothers, Caleb and Joshua, on how much food we would eat when we would go to America. We said we will never go back to the rice and beans and vegetables and stew. We will only eat American food. Why? Oh, because when in Rome, do us the Romans. Fast track 15 years later, you may ask how the three brothers are doing with American food. Let's see. Caleb moved back to Africa. Joshua has become so good at making African food, and he truly abhors American food. And for me, I've cut down on sugar, and last April, I became a vegetarian. So much for pizza, burgers, and ice cream. So why do I share this story? I believe food has a superhero kind of power that no one else has as the same as Jesus. Food gives us life, but it can also kill us. Food gives us power, but it can also enslave us. Food builds communities, but it can also cause wars. Think about it for a moment. How many childhood memories do you have that revolve around food? How many events have you attended that there wasn't food? Like, why do you even go? How many people in this world die of hunger? How many people in Des Moines daily lack food? It's not simply just the act of eating food, but everything else that goes with it. The most life-giving experiences happen around a table, literally and figuratively. Praise the Lord, church. In the book of Luke alone, there are 10 stories of Jesus dining with various people. Therefore, let's turn to some of these scriptures. Our first passage today comes from Luke 19, 1 through 10. This is the famous story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So let's turn to these scriptures, and it reads, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I, have, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There are a few things I would like to highlight in this story of the encounter 
of Jesus and Zacchaeus. But first off, let's understand who a tax collector was. The Romans needed local tax collectors, and they found it advantageous to hire locals such as Zacchaeus to collect money from their kinfolk. In exchange, these local tax collectors would pledge their allegiance to Rome and charge a nice commission. And they were known from skimming a little little extra off the top. As a result, people despised them. And the stigma was so well known that Jesus even used it as a part of an earlier teaching on love during the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? Matthew 5.46 Therefore we could conclude that a 2022 equivalent of a chief tax collector is not an IRS worker, but people who cut corners to get ahead at the expense of others. This could be a landlord of a low-income neighborhood neglecting their duties simply because the rents collected are not equivalent to the rents of a wealthier neighborhood. This could be a business executive allowing a high-performing sales team member to continue working in his business even after countless sexual harassment reports. This could be a minister or a pastor preaching a watered-down gospel that does not honor the true message of Jesus Christ in order to maintain a large congregation. There was no doubt that Zacchaeus knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew exactly who Jesus was and still chose to get up on the tree and see him. It almost seems as though he was intrigued and interested in this Jesus. Jesus proceeds to tell him, I must stay at your house today. Jesus invites himself into his house. Jesus chose willingly and knowingly to associate himself with Zacchaeus regardless of what the community said. Actually, I'm afraid you did not capture this very clearly. The creator of the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one true God is the one who we're talking about here. It's like the psalmist said, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Psalm 8, from verse 3 to 4. That same God is who we're talking about here. It's the same God that came down to earth and has invited himself into Zacchaeus' home. He has literally invited and insisted on spending time with him. Life-changing ministry occurs around a table. When is the last time you've shared a meal with a thief, a murderer, a liar, an oppressor? I think it's pretty clear, church. If Jesus did it and we all call ourselves Christians, then we better start associating ourselves with the likes of Zacchaeus. Now look at what the people said. He has gone to be a guest with a sinner. You might say, Moses, come on, I would never say such a thing. Well, I'm sorry to break it to you, church. You actually do it every single day. Not by your words, but by your actions. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. James 2, 17. 
we as Christians in America have perfected the art of disassociating ourselves with those who are sinners so much that we completely disown the Great Commission. Our churches at times can have a close resemblance to a private club than the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. This in turn directly affects how we interact with those outside the church. It is my humble prayer today that each one of us here at Table Church will not fall into this mindset. Our mission is a great commission. We simply exist to invite people to the way of Jesus. Where we, were sinners, we, where we see sinners, we should be drawn to them. Like in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not just for me, not just for you, but for the whole world. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. The last part of this passage, something incredible happens with Zacchaeus. He decides immediately that Jesus has identified him. He decides immediately that since Jesus has identified him, his life needs to change. You see, when one is living a sinful life, sometimes all it takes is to be known, to be seen, and to be invited to start living a different life. He says he will give half of his possessions to the poor. Again, church, life-changing ministry occurs around a table. How many people do we know who have received salvation and chosen to give not 10, not 25, but 50% of their wealth? When I was even preparing this someone, I thought about it for a second. I said, I tried to think how this conversation go with a spouse. Hey, Nyla, how was your day today? It was pretty good. Busy, but good. How was yours? Mine was busy too, but it was good. Oh, and by the way, I decided to give half of our wealth to the poor. Hope that's cool. The money that was earned through crooked and unlawful ways, God used it to bless those in need. I find it so refreshing that God uses even sinners in their wicked ways to show his glory and love for us. As if that was not enough, Zacchaeus went further to pay back everyone. He cheated four times the original amount. It is important to note that Jesus neither commanded or requested Zacchaeus to do this. His heart was changed and he no longer was enslaved to money and his wicked ways. He was a changed man. I believe Zacchaeus found the hidden treasure in the pearl from Matthew 13 that says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found the one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's Matthew 13, 44 through 46. As Jesus proclaimed, salvation has come to this house today. Praise the Lord, church. So here's my first challenge for you. Is there someone who needs you to reach out? Our second passage comes from Luke 5, 27 through 32, and it reads, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. 
Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This passage may sound familiar to the previous one, but there's a few things I want to point out. Do you have someone on your phone who, if they call you, regardless of what you are doing, you know you've got to take that phone call? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's even your boss. In the Gospels, when Jesus called, you answered. And it wasn't a, hello, how is, how is it going on type of an answer. It was a life-changing, I'm going to drop everything kind of a call. One might say being chosen to be an avenger in the Marvel comics is a close second. But we'll leave that for debate for another day. Levi responds in an all-in approach to Jesus. I often wonder in my life if I'm following this same posture. What about my time shows this? What about my spending habits reflect this? What about my speech exalts this? It's not simply following Jesus, but living in the way of Jesus. Levi proceeds to host a great banquet. In other words, he threw a big party. And who would a recent tax collector, now Jesus follower, invite? His tax collector buddies. Church, if we are going to expand the kingdom of heaven and reach people through Christ, we cannot do it by hanging out with ourselves. Life-changing ministry occurs around a table. Instead of the mindset of disassociating with sinners, we need to have a mindset of embracing them continuously. Isn't that what the whole Bible is about? The relentless pursuit of God to be reunited with his people to himself. It is through associating with sinners that others will come to know Christ. What better way to do this than share a meal with someone? On week one in the Summon series, we had an interview with Jamie and Isaac. I believe their story captured this so well. Jamie reached out regardless of the language barrier that existed between her and Isaac and Francine to still make this connection. Over the last few months, these two families grew together, ate together, spent time together, and a wonderful friendship blossomed. In fact, in Isaac's words on this stage, he said, we are now one family. Please take time to go back to that sermon and listen to that interview that we conducted. But then again, just like before, the teachers of the law came again and said, Jesus, why are you eating with sinners? His answer is remarkable. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus is in the business of saving the lost, and we should too. The mindset of Levi reminds me of an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. 
Church, I want to go far. Let's go together with anyone, regardless of the past and present circumstance. Why? Because it was all finished on the cross. Praise the Lord. Now I give you my second challenge. Do you know any enemies, outcasts, who have been left behind, who need Jesus? Our third and final passage comes from Luke 38, Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is a story of Martha and Mary. And it reads, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was directed, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are, are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This passage reminds me of my mother. My mother is the most caring and loving person I know in this world. In fact, I attribute most of my life's successes and blessings to come because of the many prayers she has prayed over me. But it is with this same hospitality that sometimes it's a hindrance for more blessings to my mother. Mom, if you're watching from Africa, which I believe you are, remember I still love you. Actually, it's not that bad. But I remember when we were growing up, my mom would be involved in preparing our meals. And she would be spending a lot of time going in and out of the kitchen, preparing whatever we'll be having for lunch or dinner. And during these times, the rest of us in the family would be having conversations and talking, socializing, perhaps even when, when um, guests would be there, we'd be entertaining the guests and getting to know them, but she was busy doing this. But then, when she, we would be done, and it's time to eat, and everything was ready, there was not more to be done, she still would be going back and forth from the kitchen and asking, do you need any more rice? Does the meat taste okay? Do you need me to change something? And it would be on and on and on. And one time, I remember clearly saying, Mom, are you going to eat? And she was like, you know, Moses, when you work so hard and prepare all the food, you, you, just, you just get full from doing all that work and you don't get hungry. I looked at her and I said, I don't think I believe that. <laughs> Hosting is a blessing. And in fact, we need to host other people if we are to expand our tables. However, we need to be present in the hosting. Unfortunately, 2,000 years later, we have perfected the art of being distracted. In fact, the distractions are simply not from the worries of, is there enough food? Is the food going to be good? Do we have enough plates? Will the people come? The list goes on and on and on. It's actually simply in our pockets. We carry it everywhere, it screams to us every time, and it's within arm's length anytime. It's our cell phones. 
I wonder how many missed opportunities for connecting with others, for praying for others, for ministering to others, and for loving on others have all been lost due to this. Listen, church, I'm not saying you need to get rid of your phones, but ask yourself, who is running who? Ask God to use you as a vessel to bring his love and care to people in this world. Jesus makes it very clear, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, to spend time with him. The only way to invite people to the way of Jesus is to be present with them. Praise the Lord, church. Now I give you my last and final challenge. Are you too busy to spend time with people? Most of us eat three meals a day over a span of a year. That is 1,095 meals. That sounds like 1,095 opportunities for you to share a meal with someone. My best times and my best conversations in my life have been around a table with food. In fact, it is in my father's house that the most special table in my life exists. This is where I grew up and learned from my parents and my siblings. We ate, we laughed, we cried. It was amazing. Even though I literally had thousands of meals at this table, I missed one key attribute of the table that was in front of me all along. You see, our family is made up of six of us. My father, Lawrence, my mother, Ruth, my eldest brother, Caleb, my second eldest brother, Joshua, my one and only sister, Sarah, and last but not least, myself, Moses. Our, our dining room table was built and customized to have eight chairs. I believe the two extra chairs was always to have room for guests. In fact, our dining room even had a second table with more chairs. Might be seeing this in some of the pictures that are revolving. When we had more guests that we could fit in both the tables, my father gave up his chair for the guests to sit in. That might just seem like a simple thing to do. Listen, church, we all knew this. The rest, the five of us knew this. You do not sit in my father's chair. You don't dare do that. But my father knew that guests needed to be welcomed and given a seat at the table, even if it meant him giving up his own seat. You might have even noticed, my father hosted people who didn't even look like him. It is at tables like the one in Kenya that I've encountered several cultures across the globe. Prior to COVID, Nala and I used to consistently, once a month, host even up to 20 friends for potluck and play a bunch of different board games. You see, I invited people from my different circles of friends, different people who I knew, who had different jobs, who had different beliefs, who had different ideas, different upbringings, different everything. And it was the most beautiful and life-giving part of my month. I miss it very much. My prayer today is that you pay heed to my three challenges. Number one, is there someone who needs you to reach out? Number two, do you know any enemies that need Jesus? And number three, are you too busy, spend it, are you too busy to spend time with people? There's a saying in Tanzania that says, 
To be without a friend is to be poor indeed. Church, do not underestimate the power of the table. Life changing ministry occurs around a table. Jesus can move mightily through you. You just need to answer the call like Levi. Praise the Lord, church. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to hear from you. I pray, Father, that today we can listen to your words in Luke that you've bestowed upon us, that we would have this mindset of wanting to seek those who are last, that we have this mindset to associate in ourselves with those who are sinners, those who have been left behind. Because even us, we're still sinners. It's only because through you that you have saved us. I pray that we can look at our tables and think, how can I expand my table? How can I expand my community? How can I invite someone into this life? And through them meeting us, they can also see you, experience you, and come to know you. This is our prayer today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.